No, you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to the future in England. The future? Mm-hmm. It's a futuristic ultraviolence film. Ah, yes. This week we are doing a Clockwork Orange. Um, I wanted to see if it was disturbing as it was when I saw it in the 70s, and actually it was more disturbing. (laughs) I thought that I had seen it when I was in college, but I'm like, I don't think I did. (sighs) Yeah, wow. Okay. Maybe I just thought I did because every boy had the poster in his room. And that is really frightening. Yeah, that pretty much tells you all you need to know. Yeah, me too. This is why we needed me too. <laughs> wow. Basically. Oh, this film. Okay. Um, It's supposed to be a black comedy. Yeah. As in dark comedy, not as in black actors. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to, it's another one of those supposed to be a satires. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um I have a little blurb and oh. then we'll do the particulars. Okay. The film explores the difficulties of reconciling the conflict between individual freedom and social order. Uh, okay. That's what it's supposed to be. Okay, particulars. The please. particulars. So I guess the premiere was this. It premiered. Uh, it premiered in New York, December nineteenth, nineteen seventy one, but its United States wide release was February second, nineteen seventy two. Okay, I wonder who I went to see it with. I know. Scandalous. Yeah. I don't even remember. It was the screenplays by it was the screenplay by produced by and directed by Stanley Kubrick. He w- was a bit of a sick person. But uh, a filmmaking genius. Okay. He also did The Shining which we already did. Mm-hmm. Spartacus, Lolita, Doctor Strangelove. 2001, A Space Odyssey, Full Metal Jacket, and Eyes Wide Shut, to name a few. Yes. It was based on a Clockwork Orange novel by Anthony Burgess. This was his best-known novel. He also wrote TV, the TV miniseries in 1977, Jesus of Nazareth. He also had tons of different writings, all different. He wrote poems, all different kinds of critiques. All he was very big into linguistics and different studies, and he was also a composer. He wanted to be known as a composer who also happened to be a writer. But most, since most people know him for a Clockwork Orange, that didn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. The music is by Wendy Carlos, who. Also did the music for The Shining and Tron. And remember, she oversaw the development of the Moog synthesizer. And her big thing was switched on Bach. The director of photography was John Alcott. He also shot 2001 A Space Odyssey, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Ford Apache, The Bronx, and The Beastmaster. It was edited by Bill Butler, who also did Buona Sera, 
Mrs. Campbell, a touch of class, the Duchess, and the Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox. It's starring Malcolm McDowell as Alex DeLarge. He was also in Caligula, Time After Time, Milk Money, Star Trek Generations, Hidalgo, Tank Girl, and then in TV, he's in Entourage, Monk, Heroes, Franklin and Bash, Mozart in the Jungle, and he's done tons of voices for video games. He's been in tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, Patrick McGee played Mr. Frank Alexander. He was also in Barry Lyndon, Chariots of Fire, Die, Monster, Die, and he did a lot of theater. You have Malcolm Bates, who was Chief Guard Barnes. He was also in Dr. Strangelove. He's also in Patton. And in TV, he was in The Last of the Summer Wine. I say go out and get more wine. But, by guns. You have William Clark, who played Dim. He was also in Antony and Cleopatra, Firefox. He was in Ishtar. He was one of the English gun runners and hmm. Green Fingers. And James Marcus as Georgie. He was in Doctor Who and the Virgin Soldiers. And Adrienne Corey. She was Mrs. Alexander. She was in The River, Doctor Shivago, and Revenge of the Pink Panther, to name a few. There are the particulars. There they are. Well, the film opens with ominous music. And what I'm sure in the theater was an orange screen, just because I thought, you know, Clockwork Orange, I don't know. And you see four young gentlemen who were supposed to be like 15 years old, but they definitely looked like they were in their 20s. Oh, they aged in the book. This is a little tasty nugget slash nerd alert. In the book, Alex is 15 years old. But in the movie, yeah. um, I believe they had them be 18. Uh, 17. Oh. So that they, but um, yeah, I felt like it should have been 18. Anyway, yeah. Okay. So then we, you just have a close-up of Alex staring into the screen. And on one eye, he has these really bold fake eyelashes and a bowler hat and then it pulls back to them wearing like all white with a huge cod what do you call that i think well the nerd alert so that outfit is cricket whites and stanley kubrick said well instead of putting i think it's like a cod piece or like a cup or something instead of putting it underneath i want you to put it on the outside yeah I remember that, and it's disturbing. Yes, well, this Uh, movie is disturbing. The camera pulls out there, four young men drinking milk in a bar. And in this bar, it's futuristic. There are these mannequins, which are naked females that make the tables. Yes, and the shot. See, this is why, like, the movie is very problematic, but I can't say I didn't enjoy it because I like Stanley Kubrick's filmmaking. So the shot, it starts in as a close-up. He used a ton because, it, well, we haven't gotten to it yet, but it's narrated by Alex. So a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff is his point of view. And Kubrick used extreme wide-angle lenses. And so this is like one of those, this lens is a pretty nifty lens because it starts in close on his face and it just zooms out and you can tell that it zooms out because the um 
like the focal everything in the background kind of stay like the uh, every what's in focus and stuff stays the same and so it like just slowly pulls back to reveal more of the surrounding and it's just very quiet and the the extra wide angle lens it adds to you don't really get it because it's just like why is this so disturbing but what a wide angle lens does is on the edges it distorts it starts to distort the image so everything that's in the center of the frame has fine proportions, but then on the edge of the frame, you start to get this slight distortion. It gets elongated, so it creates an off-kilter kind of, what is going on? This isn't real. The whole freaking film was off-kilter. Yeah. Okay, well, it happens to be a milk bar, milk, but they um, it's milk plus that contributes to the ultra violence. Yeah. I assume that you knew what these drugs were that they put in the milk. Um, I didn't. Oh. I was I, like, Ma I, will know. <laughs> I was, I'm hoping, uh, uh, no, I didn't recognize it. Okay. It was the Corova milk bar. And in order to get the milk, you would, okay, never mind. Um, then we see a drunk singing in an alleyway. And we have the four boys. Three of them have long pipes, and one of them has a chain. And so um, the drunk is singing about uh, saying, uh, "He's singing, singing Molly song. Malone." Yeah, and then he's saying, "We have men on the moon. Uh, we have men spinning around the earth, but we have no earthly law or order down here." And so they beat him just for fun. Yeah, because they're that. This is what they do. They go to their milk plus bar and get fucked up, and they go out and start beating on people. Yeah, good times. And then they, uh, then we have a a like abandoned theater, and it looks like on stage this one girl was homeless and she was living on the stage of this abandoned theater so we have billy boy and his four boys which are a different gang and they decide that it will be fun to rape the young woman yeah so then this scene goes on a real long time as they're stripping off her clothes and she's fighting and you're like okay and so um Alex and it's his droogs, but yeah. I call him Alex and his et alls. Uh, they come in and there is a fight scene between Alex and his et alls and Billy Boy and his people. And it's all choreographed to classical music. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, he basically, because first you think, oh man, this, you know, Alex and his droogs or whatever are gonna stop this rape from happening which they do but that isn't the reason why they just wanted to they saw a rival gang and they just wanted to start commencing to fisticuffs right and um billy boy had one extra person and they could still beat them yeah okay so then alex whistles and um his et alls know to stop fighting and we hear that uh, a police siren. And so they are speeding away in a sports car. And the whole time it's being narrated by Alex. And he's using the cr- this crazy 
lingo and nerd alert yeah it, that's how it is in the book so this guy the guy that wrote the book he was also a ling, ling, linguist he's into mm-hmm. linguistics and he kind of came up with this slang that the characters use and he made it up because he wanted it to be timely so he didn't want it to be i don't know when he wrote the book but you know how you watch something from the 50s and they're like hey yo daddy yo what's the haps and that kind of stuff and you're like Mm -hmm. dated so they have this slang and you can't exactly say that it's dated because you're like what is what is he talking about it's a mix of russian and something else yeah it's a mix of russian and like cockney and stuff i i did enjoy the slang i thought it was kind of funny that would that wouldn't that entertained me the way that he was talking and stuff. Not what he was saying, but how no, he was saying right. it. And it was just off kilter because yeah. you couldn't get a handle on it. And, and it goes with the film that's totally off kilter because oh, you can't get a handle The on first it. shot when he said the first, like, these are my droogs, I had to hit pause and went to the subtitles. Oh, because I, I should have like, done that. Oh, okay. man, we're going to need to read this movie. Okay. What did he say? Droogs? And then I rewound it and I was like, all right, let's start again. Well, I have a nerd alert about the sports car. Oh. Let me, let me, because I was interested in what kind of a car it was. It, uh, the car in the film was called a Durango 95, Hmm. but in reality, it was an Adams Probe 16. There were only three of them made. Wow. And so they are racing down the road playing chicken and everybody else is having accidents. Um, so they are just... Um, and that looked very... A lot of the... Especially early on when he's with the his hooligan group, you know, and how they're... Just how they're dressed and stuff. You see that so much now. Where I'm like, oh, they, this is what influenced them. And you see it like also in cartoons and stuff. It kind of just reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of, um, like Batman, like the yeah. old, kind of the old Batmans and even like the right. new Batmans when they're doing like Joker and everybody's in the car and they're just like ha 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 ha, hanging out of it but driving yeah. super fast and how they're just like these hooligans who gave zero fucks. Yeah. Okay, so they um, come to this ultra-modern house in the country. And we see a writer at his typewriter. And his wife goes to the door and she says, I don't open the door for strangers. And Alex is saying, but I've had an accident. My mate, he's in the road bleeding to death. So the husband goes, go ahead and open the door. Mm. Now, no, people... People, Never. fuck politeness. Stay sexy. Don't, don't get, get murdered. murdered. So they come in. So, uh, you know, it's almost like that milk had um, testosterone or steroids. Oh, it, it did. It had like drugs in it and stuff. Yeah, because they are so full of swagger. Piss and vinegar. <laughs> Only more. Anyway, so they come strolling in there, and um, to to say it nicely, they assault the couple. 
And again, it is a choreographed thing where Alex is singing, singing in the rain. Yeah. While he is cutting this jumpsuit off of this woman and rapes her. Yeah, you're just like, okay, so I just saw the main character of this film, like, rape this woman and assault this guy? And the husband had to watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this this is what this movie's about? Yeah. Okay, well, this is tough. This is a tough, this is a... (sighs) Okay, <laughs> that's, that's me to the movie. Literally, my face, like, okay. So I guess this is a good time to apologize for picking this movie. Because, okay. We'll I would have picked it, it eventually. We always said we wanted to do it. It's Kubrick. I'm glad that there is some filmmaking coolness to it. Because this storyline... This is, this is not one of the Kubrick films that has aged well. Although, <sighs> sadly, a lot of people like really like it. But I wonder how it's going to age even more so now after Me Too. How many women really like this? I don't film? think that there's many, like, a Clockwork Orange female stands out there. <coughs> okay. It's so- mostly dudes. Yeah, think. Yeah. So I guess they have expended all of the drugs that were in their system because they go back to the milk club, mm-hmm. and there is some sophisticated sophisticates there, sophisticated people. There's um, three men and a woman, and she starts singing in German. Uh, something. Um, wait, Ode to Joy. Isn't it Ode to Joy she starts singing in German? I forget. It's something that everybody knows, but she's singing yeah. it in German. Yeah. Okay. So I, there is some kind of a, an exchange. I don't know. Well, because then uh, Dim says something smartass, and Alex knocks him with the cane. Dim is called Dim because... He's Dim. Dim-witted. Yeah, he's an idiot. And um, Alex really cares for music. Yes, and I think he, I, th- you know, she probably had to have been listening, been Beethoven, because he loves him some Beethoven. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Ode to Joy. Yeah, and so Dim is like, Dim made an off-kilter joke, you know, because they've been out raping. So he had. He can't say anything about the old woman singing a song in German. Yeah, and but yeah, that Alex was like, "Well, that is too far. Excuse me, bridge too far." Yeah, and so wax him, and Dim does not like that he got whacked over making a comment about the woman singing in German. So it's dawn, and Alex is going home. Alex, who is fifteen, seventeen, lives at home with his parents. Which, excuse me, though, we're about to get to something where I could have used a heads up. 
I know yeah. that you had already watched the movie yeah. and you couldn't have said anything. Well, I I said to myself at the time, self, you got to let Aaron know this is coming. Unbelievable. But then, by the end of the movie, I had completely forgotten it. Well, I did think, ugh. Gotta die, gotta die, gotta I, go. Well, yeah, cause, yeah, we'll, we'll get to there. Hmm, I should put that on my good part. Go ahead, proceed. Oh. Okay, so it's Don. He is walking in what looks like a housing project. Trash everywhere because there's no social order anymore. I think it um, was supposed to be something where it's like socialism failed. It's some sort of commentary on socialism, yeah. I think. yeah. Because, yeah, according to this, it did. So um, he goes into his bedroom where he, he has his twin bed. And he opens his drawer and he puts all the things they stole from the couple that they beat and raped. In there, he's got a lot of stuff in his drawer. Then out of another drawer, he pulls his python. I was like, oh, man. Well, okay. When he opened that drawer, I mean... I was more scared than anything that I had seen in The Shining. This right, this shot right here by Kubrick. I'm like, Kubrick, you did it again. Because, my God. I did the, <gasps> I can't even. <laughs> okay. That's a whole other story. Um, so, and then there's a whole other story about a snake, which I am not allowed to go into at this time. But. Um, did you know that there's a tasty nugget or a nerd alert about the snake? Hell no, I don't know that. Okay, well, evidently Malcolm McDowell hates reptiles. You know what, Malcolm McDowell? Now you're my MVP. <laughs> and uh, so Kubrick did it to freak him out and to, as a practical joke to him. What a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Because anybody who truly is fe is fearful of them, I am not anymore because I've been known to take care of a situation. But it's okay. And then he puts a tape of Beethoven into And Aaron, at the time, it was a tiny cassette. Yeah, it was those mini cassettes. Yeah, and they didn't have them at the time. So that was future. Oh, that was future. Yeah. Yeah, I just figured that out. Oh, that was a good... Yeah, because this movie, it, it's hard because it's an old movie to be like, this is future. In my mind, I think of it as like, you know how like Game of Thrones was in the past, but in a right. different world? That's kind of how I imagined this. Yeah. I didn't make the connection of it's the future. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just so analog. <laughs> um, And there is another choreographed scene with pornographic oh well so then he he goes out and he picks up some ladies at the record store which i oh, have that's not yet that's not oh. yet oh no there's another porno oh sorry just por there are pornographic pictures every all over their house and oh. it's the house of their mother and father but everyone in this movie has pornographic pictures in their house that's all there are yeah. maybe that's all you can get at the mall maybe th the, that's the poke apocalyptic is that they got rid of all the saisons and fruit and now it's just um different yeah. pornographic women putting different things in their in places their and other people okay and so then it's the morning and his mom comes out she is on a purple wig 
She has on a leather jumper. She has on knee socks with her little shoes. And she wakes Alex up for school. Like it's time for him to go to high school. And he says, he's, oh, mom, I'm not, I, I have a, uh, I have a pain in my gully. I can't go to, it was so like baby talky after he had just done all this horrendous stuff. So she couldn't have get him to go to school, of course. Yeah, she's got no control over him. Obviously. But but the mom is in all this, it was pleather, actually. It was like a patent leather, leather jumper. Um, yes. Okay, then uh, she goes to work, and Mr. Deltroid appears, and evidently he's like the uh, officer. He's like his the, parole officer. The truant officer but it's more of a parole officer because evidently he is already in a school for a corrective school. Oh, yeah. Because this guy comes across as real, real handsy. Oh, just real creepy. Everything is creepy. I kept thinking like, oh, so is this where I'm, is this guy, is this the reason why, not like the reason, but is this yes, adding to Alex to. and... This is kind of his sympathy of like, well, he's getting, you know, felt up by this guy, been taken advantage of sexually. This guy likes boys and stuff. Um, and so then it's like he's abused. And so then you're kind of not, not giving him a pass, but it's just kind of like, oh, the cycle of violence and yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, but at it, least it gives you a sympathetic ear toward him. But... But we never saw that that actually happened. Well, we just get that feeling. He did grab Alex's junk. And it doesn't seem real odd in this. But yes. But the, and agree. then that made it even odder. I'm I'm like, what are, what are, what is, am I, what? I don't know. Huh? That was, that was the entire two hours of this movie. Yes. What? Huh? Uh, I don't know. Oh, well, Mr. Deltroid says, you know, the next time that, you are caught doing something bad. You're not going to be able to come back to corrective school. You're going to have to go to like the, the jail. They actually still have a jail, I guess. Okay. But he said there was extreme nastiness last night and your name was brought up with it. Hmm. And I want to save you from yourself. I think that's when he grabbed him. Probably. Cause um, Alex is in his tidy whities. Yeah. And the guy was already in his house because the mom gave him a key and he's sitting on, is that the parent's bed? And there's a glass and it yes. has the dentures in it. Oh, it's like, yeah. whose dentures are those? Doesn't, I can't even. Doesn't somebody, oh. is that the dad's? Somebody, it's daytime. All the adults are gone from the house. Whose dentures are those? They need them. I don't understand why they're there. And, and I just thought, Oh my God, maybe they weren't dentures. Maybe they were something else. And so I'm not even going to go there. They just, Alex took teeth? No, took a but whole jaw? Maybe, maybe the mom and dad used them in some way. Ew! That's oh, all I'm saying. Some sort of game that they, that's what they're into? That's how creepy this film this is. is. This, You know what? This movie does make you think those things. It does. Um, so then he goes, is it some devil that crawls inside of you? I just want you to stay out of trouble. And Alex assures him that he will. Well, then Alex goes to a record store 
and he picks up two girls. Now, the girls in the book yeah. were 10 years old. They were 10 years old, and he drugs them. And he takes them home, and the three of them have choreographed sex, which is speeded up, thankfully. Well, nerd alert, that whole thing, because, okay, in the movie, they're not 10 years old. They're of age, and they go back to his place consensually. This is, yes. But in the book, he drugs two 10-year-old girls and rapes them. In the movie, it's this time-lapse shot, so it was this whole choreographed thing. It was one continuous 28-minute shot sped up. 28 minutes of a sex scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he's done, he comes downstairs, and there are his et alls, and they surprise him with a visit. Yeah. And he is saying, wait a minute, what is this you're surprising me? I'm in charge, and nobody surprises me. And Georgie says there's going to be a new way of doing things, and one is no more picking on Dim. Excuse me, but I'm the boss. And so he goes, so you guys have been talking behind my back. Oh, there's a mutiny. And they want some of this big money that he's bringing in. And um, then they well, go. Well, they uh, want to get more adult, which that I that made me chuckle. You know, like, that's not funny. But, like, I chuckle because I was like, you guys just, like, raped Mm-hmm. A woman, how much more adult are you guys looking to get? Mm-hmm. Well, then Georgie has this idea for tonight. But I didn't understand. Tonight, man, tonight is going to be a man size. But I could never figure out what that word was. I oh, you read it. Yeah, they're it's basically a- saying like tonight they're going to do like a man size <coughs> heist. No more okay. of this like juvenile delinquent shit. But I'm like, again, you guys raped a woman and, like, uh, busted up their whole house and stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, they say they're going to go out on the town. And um, Georgie's the general, and he's going to be in charge. Take it, Aaron. And so <coughs> that's when they're walking. Is that when they're walking along the river? Not yet, because they haven't had their fight. Oh, Huh. They have to have their fight to see. Because um, Alex is taking it like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to be. But then he challenges each of them. And they each know that they'll lose to him. And so they just go ahead and let him be in charge again. Oh. That's not, <coughs> yeah, their fight when they're walking along the river. Oh, okay. And he, like, t- he kicks the guy. Throws yes. them all in the river, and then Dim goes to was what it was pretty cool because it's all slow motion, so it's highly stylized. So if you, again, have forget that the you're watching a bunch of rapists walk down the street, you're seeing them, you're like, you know what, slow slow motion walking, especially when they're in their little duds and stuff, it they do look pretty cool, and they're walking in slow motion and. 
Alex is talking, the narrator, with his wickety-wackety words and stuff. And then in slow motion, he just turns and he pops old Dim in the stomach and he kicks them. So he basically like turns on them and kicks them all into the river. And then, and again, this is all in slow motion. And then Dim comes to grab for help. And Alex takes out his cane because he's got like a dagger in it. And as he come, as Dim comes up to uh, ask for like help him out of the water, he slices his the top of his hand. And so mm-hmm. in that moment, everybody knows, you know, Alex is the alpha dog. Don't you forget it. And then they go and they... They, they they go to like this uh it looks kind of like a gastro pub for their reconciliation drink and they're they're kind of, all the three other et alls are uh they're uh, they're moping yes and alex is kind of victorious and he's like all right let's go is that does he say let's do what you're gonna do or do yeah. they have another plan yeah, what's your idea, Georgie? Oh, yeah. Let's go do your yeah. idea. Now that we know who is the mm-hmm. master and leader of us all. Yeah. And if, unless we all forget, yeah, who is the chief here. Right. And all is forgiven and forgotten, right? And what else are they going to say? But yes. So they decide they're going to a health farm. <clears throat> oh. There's one woman and she lives, it's a huge place, and she lives there with cats. A lot of cats. So we see her doing yoga. She's doing the plow and she can do plow and then have her, her feet, her knees go all the way to where her ears are. I'm like, wow, this woman is very into yoga. Yeah. Very slight, very, very very small woman. Yeah. But very, um. So you go, wow, she's in good shape. And she does Pilates as well because there was like a whole Pilates reformer thing set up. I'm just like, wow, this woman, she knows what she's doing. Well, there's a knocking on the door. <coughs> and again, they use their emergency ruse. And she says, I never open the door to strangers after dark. And she doesn't open the door. No, she doesn't open the door. And she goes and calls the police and says, um, police. And they say, yes, ma'am. And she says, I just had this guy come up and ask me. It said he was in help and that he wanted me to open the door and stuff. I didn't open the door for him because I read the paper and it sounded an awful lot like what they said happened in that case, the Alexanders, Mr. and Mrs. Alexander, who they, they raped and assaulted. And so the guy was like, okay, uh, do you want us to send anyone over? And the woman was like, no, he went away. And the cop was like, yeah, we're going to send someone over, though, just in case. Because <laughs> if it's who we're thinking it is, yeah. he's not really going away. Exactly. And so meantime, they go around... And I think they find an open window or something. Way up at the top. Yeah. So they had to climb and Alex gets in and he gets into the room where she just was on the phone. And that room has a lot of, uh, I guess, like pornographic art in it. Phallic 
statues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a rock, a rocking penis on, with balls, mm -hmm. and it rocks, and it's big, it's huge. Uh, and that's the part of the movie that I remember from seeing it in the 70s. Because once that's in your mind, you can't ever get it out. <laughs> so they have a choreographed encounter where he rapes her with that, with said piece of quotation marks art. Well, I don't, well, I mean, he like rapes her. I don't think he does it with that. He kills her with that. So we hear police sirens. And um, he comes down, and the et alls are just standing around. He never let them in, so they hit him in the face with a milk bottle. Yeah, and they just leave it when they run away. <coughs> and he's at the police station with a broken nose, and Mister Deltroid arrives, um, and he's bleeding blood that is so fake, so red. Yeah. As we have discussed before, Hollywood has never gotten down real blood well. So Mr. Deltoid um, says this is the end of the line. Oh, well, um, the narrator says Mr. Deltoid says this is the end of the line for me. So he sells, he's selling out his et calls. He's saying it was all them. It was never my idea. And <clears throat> uh, police person comes in and says you are now a murderer your victim has died yeah so he's in prison in he got a term of 14 years and he's in processing and um there is a prison minister and um alex has made the prison minister think that he is a model prisoner like the prison minister thinks that he is doing a really good job with Alex. And um, in fact, they're having a church service in the prison and Alex is in charge of using the overhead projector in the future to uh, have the words of the hymn shown so that everybody could sing the hymn mm -hmm. together. And so his et alls are in the congregation part, but Alex is part of the service because, you know, he's being redeemed. Oh, his et alls got sent to prison too. Yeah, and they were oh. they were down there laughing and everything at the minister. Well, um, Alex, um, the minister believes Alex has actually the narrator says he took an interest in the Bible. But his interest in the Bible wasn't, uh, it, it was more with the violence in the Bible. The Bible is pretty violent. So there is an insert of Jesus carrying his cross with his crown of thorns. And Alex, dressed up as a Roman, is lashing him as he's dragging the cross. And Alex says, I didn't so much like the rest of the book, all that preachy talking stuff, you know, after the crucifixion mm -hmm. he said in the bible he liked the torture killing and the sex parts mm -hmm. um and the minister tells him alex seek like not to be like evil men okay so alex is saying that he has a 
has shown a genuine desire to reform and he wants to talk to um, the minister in private, he hears there's a new aversion therapy that he wants to try. It's a new treatment and you get out of prison in no time and you never return because it's an aversion treatment to violence. And it's been an hour. And there you have it. There you have it. POC count. Oh, POC count is four. They were all in the prison lineup. Yep. Okay, we've done some nerd alerts. Do you have others? Mm-hmm. Mm. Let me see. My nerd alerts. Um, okay, so I have some quotes from Kubrick about the film, what it was. So this is him, quote, a social satire dealing with the question of whether behavioral psychology and psychological conditioning are dangerous new weapons for a totalitarian government to use to impose vast controls on its citizens and turn them into little more than robots. And then on the call sheet, it said, quote, it's a story of the dubious redemption of a teenage delinquent by condition reflex therapy. It is the same. It is at the same time a running lecture on free will. That was what Kubrick said about the film. So if everybody were able to just do what they wanted with no social mores at all, every man would want to be raping women? No, I think it's saying, (coughs) it's talking, because remember how, so then Alex, he goes and he does the aversion therapy, which is that classic scene where he has his eyes open. She can't even. And sees and they're playing Beethoven and showing all of these atrocious uh, images to him, and so the the hope is is that oh any anyways what happens with the therapy is that anytime he gets the sense of violence or wants to commit violence or any sort of violent thought he gets physically ill he gets nauseous, mm-hmm. and then. It also happens that every time he hears... In the book, it's every time he hears any music. In the movie, it's any time he hears Beethoven. And that really messes with him when they're doing the therapy because he's like, why did you, why is it Beethoven? I love Beethoven. And they didn't know that he loved Beethoven so much. But then it's really weird because this guy, he, he raped a whole bunch of women. In the movie, we see that he raped two and we see that he killed a woman. And... He says they killed her on accident, but when we see it, like, he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah, he knew what he was so, doing. So, this guy is a murderer, a rapist and a murderer, and then the movie is asking you to feel sorry for him because now, anytime that he hears Beethoven, he gets physically ill. And that was something that he loved. But I'm mm-hmm. like... He's a rapist and a murderer, and the people that he hurt and their loved ones, they have to deal with that pain. So, like, that's that his cross to bear. But I think Kubrick's point is 
that the government came up with this thing and that it's this, they can alter minds and stuff and they're doing it and then they're making, they can make, basically make you be a robot. So if it's a totalitarian government, then what's to say like, oh, I believe that everybody should have free health care. And they're like, whoa, that is dangerous thought. Come here, little miss. And then mm-hmm. they put, you know, and then they turn me into a robot and stuff, which I get his point. It's just I feel that this and the book, I guess, because Kubrick didn't write the book like this is based on a book. That there's a better argument to be made. I understand what your argument is saying, but, uh, you know, I just watched, like, because uh, there was almost a rape of the woman before. Like, every woman who's in this movie, except for the one doctor lady, is a victim and mm-hmm. gets, you know, humiliated and sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. So perhaps maybe it's best that you don't make a, a murdering rapist your protagonist in main argument in like whoa careful society do we really want to do this because i'm on the side that they i'm like yeah maybe that's yeah. not such a bad idea <clears throat> yeah okay um any more nerd alerts i do so one thing that i read said that the clockwork orange was just basically made up uh you know like uh, the phrase, the phrase of clockwork orange. Yeah, but then in Wikipedia it says <coughs> that it's a clockwork orange. It's like it's organic on the outside, but mechanical on the inside. Oh, so then that makes more sense than anything else. After I've read. he, after he um, went through the therapy, that he became a clockwork orange. So he was um, organic on the outside, but inside he was a mechanical machine. And then until the, until the very end. And then the, another nerd alert is the suicide camera shot. Because mm-hmm. when he, he jumps out of a window and it went to like Alex's point of view. And that was made using a Newman Sinclair clockwork camera. It was put in a box with the lens facing down and it was dropped three stories. And Stanley Kubrick was amazed because it lasted through six takes, the camera. Wow. And because evidently Kubrick did thousands of oh, takes. Oh, he well, this this is the next <clears throat> nerd alert. So the filming for this went from ni- from September 1970 to April 1971, and that was this was the quickest film shoot of his career. Mm-hmm. And I already said about the extra wide the angle lenses, and then. I noticed that a lot of the stuff from the beginning, it would start in close on something and then you would hear other things going on in the background and then it would um, zoom out. And when you see the Alexander's house, how it's on him and then it dollies to, to show her and stuff. So you, you see something and then you see, you hear something happening off screen and then you see what that is. And I thought that was cool. And that one shot was very Wes Anderson to me. And throughout this whole movie, I, there was a lot of things that reminded me of Wes Anderson. And I'm like, ah, I see. I see you, Mr. Anderson. I know where you've been cribbing now. 
And, and and I will I will take what Wes took and I will watch his stuff because it's not not nearly as rapey. Oh my god! And okay. another nerd alert is that there are many continue continu, continuity errors in this film, and that Kubrick said he did them on purpose to create um an unease and disjointedness the whole thing was unease and disjointed yeah so he he accomplished that he did bam okay reheatables mm-hmm. i got five negatives okay we're gonna start with number one the rape scenes yeah and then we're gonna go to number two which is the female exploitation because like with the billy boys they could have had that confrontation without having to tear that girl's clothes off and have her have to run around and around they could have just it could have just been the gangs you know the jets and the sharks yeah or it could have just been like ah and they're running and they you know are grabbing at her and you obviously know what's gonna happen but no they went and that's what pauline kale the note famous noted critic said yeah that's yeah i read her stuff and i totally yeah she was just like this is just bad pornography mr kubrick and all of the all of the art was so pornographic and uh okay so number three even in the future there were only men in the leading roles (laughs) yeah even in the future. Uh-huh. I mean, well, there was the one female doctor. Yeah. But she was kind of cast as evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were, I think if we were to take the movie as Kubrick wanted us to take it, then this woman is evil. But mm-hmm. if you're taking it from my, my point of view, I'm like, look at this woman doing the God's work. Yeah, thank God. Number four was the minister's teeth. Oh, I didn't even notice. Oh, my God. Very British. Oh, my God. And number five was, <laughs> in the future, they were going to be wearing those 70s neckties. Those really, really, really wide neckties oh, in the future. Oh, 70s hairstyle. Yeah. True. And I'm sorry I don't have a single positive reheatable. Oh. Well, so my bad reheatable was um yeah, I already kind of said it how he was the rapist like the he's a protagonist right um right. And, and we're supposed to have some and an iota of sympathy yeah I'm just like I, I don't I mean Malcolm McDowell is very charming so he is able to you're not watching this like, man, you know, like, it, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, like, you know how, like, Tony Soprano is a bad guy, but yet you're watching Tony Soprano and you're kind of rooting for him. Yeah. But he's not a good or guy. Or the Americans. You're rooting for, the for Americans. them. They're, or Barry yeah. on the show. Barry. Right. right. Exactly. That kind because of thing. he had some redeeming qualities. I don't know why I was rooting for the Americans because truly they they just wanted Russia over all us. But okay, yeah, but it just kind of like puts you in sort of that point of view. But but then this is was like uh, 
I don't. Mm-hmm. Eh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. This, is, this is kind of a, a bridge too far. My good, <laughs> my good reheatables was just sort of the style, the filmmaking style. And I guess I don't know oh, if it's yeah. a good reheatable, but I've just seen it a lot. There was a lot of stuff like there's this band, My Chemical Romance, and there's a lot of different things from I think my generation were looking back. I was like, oh, they were they were inspired by this movie. Mm-hmm. Like they really liked this movie. And I think the thing that they really liked about the movie was just the uh, the utopian gang of misfits, you know, because that's that's what Mad Max is and stuff like that. These utopians yeah. just, you know, lawless and going about with their gang and doing battle with other gangs and stuff and yeah. just how he shoots it and there's different styles and he's definitely a very meticulous filmmaker. Yeah. But it's just like, ah, this. And then I added another, uh, good reheatable. Um, so basil, who's the name of the snake. You have a good reheatable about the snake. Well, yes, he died. He had an accident and, and he died in the film though, in the film. In the film, because he comes back. Remember, he comes back to the house, and all of his stuff was sold off yes. to pay for the oh, victims. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's right, there's a that's guy right. named that's Joe right. living in his house because the parents mm. like put him in the room, and so they kind of don't have a place for him. And he's like, "Well, but what about Basil?" And the dad's like, uh, "About that, he had an accident." <laughs> And they don't say what kind of accident it was, but it's just that he is out the door. And look, I don't wish the extinction of those creatures because I understand what they do for the, what is it, the ecology, how there's a, a, yeah, a hierarchy there's a life. Yeah, and how they fit into life. it and all that. But mm-hmm. I have to say, because... I was not expecting that, and nobody warned me about such a thing. It was very shocking, but I was relieved when I saw there was a python because for some reason that's a little bit easier for me to digest. Because um, you're harder for, to digest for a python. Yeah, I, I don't. I just know that they're they they tend to just be very um, you know low energy and very slow and not not quick to attack and whatnot. Uh, I feel as though I can, they're, I like that they're big and you can see them. And that's true. And there isn't that sort of, uh, lightning quick reflexes and that I have to, you know, they're not, not looking to take shots at me. Um, but I did think that it was hilarious and I wondered what sort of accident befell old Basil. He might've gotten too close to my loppers. Perhaps, cause yeah, the entire time that 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 oh oh what's his face was having his like heart to heart with what's his face in the house, the truant officer. I'm just mm-hmm. like guys, serious. Like the enti- <coughs> any time that Basil was on the screen, that was the only thing that I was looking at because you always have to keep an eye on those things. You don't want to lose them. And And sometimes you have to go upstairs three times. I don't understand. I'm just, yeah, that doesn't, I, my mind, it doesn't commute that way. I will have to, 
yeah, I was just like, man, we don't know, like, what's going on? And then when they wasn't, I'm like, what's going on with that? Aren't we, we need to get back to that. We need to secure that situation. You know, what's going on here? Just a drawer? That's all that's, oh my gosh. So I yeah. was, I was really taken out for about good 30 minutes of the movie. I that. do apologize. It, it I really, do. really threw me for a loop. I knew it was going to, and then by the end of the movie, I was just so over everything. Yeah, you were you were <clears> cursed. <throat> you got a curse in your name when that happened. I, I know I did. Oh, I know, yeah. and I deserve it. I I take full responsibility. So there, there we go. Those were my reheatables. It's okay, this isn't well, a movie that ages well, in my I, humble opinion. I did not have an MVP. I oh, didn't have you know a positive what? reheatable, but I, I thought of one just now. Oh, I thought of, it's not, it's just, it's more of like iconic because it's real hard to watch, especially yesterday. I had an eye issue. Oh God. I yes. had an issue where I had one eye that was super sensitive to light and it made me very paranoid the whole day about it. So just seeing the graphic nature in which he put uh, the the eye thing to keep his eyes open and the guy who which nerd alert by the way real physician putting the eye drops in his eyes in that scene that anesthetized his eyes so that it was a little less painful but they were still putting metal clamps he scratched his cornea yeah yeah he did real damage to his eyes because he's moving around i would not have been moving around he was like moving, and that's that's what you see. That's an iconic filmmaking image. Is that having your eye, his eyes keep stay open, and it's it's so it made behind my knees hurt. Oh, it, everywhere. Oof. Okay, well my my MVP was, and it's also a nerd alert tasty nugget. When he is in the hospital, and the um like chancellor or whatever comes in to talk to him to brainwash him about how this was a good thing that happened to him. It wasn't really a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Who actually I kept going, is that supposed to be Prince Philip? Because he could be a stand in for Prince Philip. Mm. Anyway, they said that scene was really slow because he's supposed to be eating his meal in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, um, these people come in and visit him and it was so slow and Malcolm McDonald started just doing his mouth, like opening it, like ready for food. Uh So they fed him. And that reminded me of when your brother had his wisdom teeth out and I had to feed him (laughs) cream of wheat and he would go and open his mouth. Like that? (laughs) And that, yeah, that, that, that gave me a, a warm tummy because of that, but other than that, I got nothing. Whoa, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to change my MVP. My MVP was Stanley Kubrick, just because that's the only reason why I feel this film has any redeeming qualities. Yeah. But I'm changing it to Malcolm McDowell because yeah. in you know, un- the unfortunate rape scene of Mrs. Alexander. Uh, who, by the way, Mrs. Alexander, who was the Adrian Corey woman, 
she got the role after filming had already begun because a lot of women were like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, no, no. especially knowing uh-uh. how many takes. Yeah, because it, it was going to be take after take. Yeah. And um, I think after a th- like and brought uh, Malcolm McDowell was really hitting her. And like, I think after the 37th take, he yelled, I'm not hitting her anymore. Right. And. She was a good spirit about it. She was like, well, Malcolm, you're about to see that I'm a real redhead. And so she had um, an interesting take on all of that. But so that whole, and you know how he's doing Singing in the Rain? That wasn't in the book. That was Malcolm McDowell ad-libbing it because Stanley Kubrick thought that it was uh, too stale, I think he said. It was too stiff. And so he wanted him to sing a song, and it was the only song that he knew. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's what I had read. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yes, I mean, his acting in this, I hope to God his acting was amazing. I hope he isn't really <laughs> that depraved. <clears throat> Who knows? Okay, so, oh, okay, you did your MVP. Mm-hmm. I recast it and uh huh. I did not do a black cast because I don't want black people to have to do this. Yeah, I didn't either. It was real hard for me because I don't think that they can make this movie now. No. And I didn't do a female cast. Huh? Duh. So. I only recast one person. I recast three. Um, and... Uh, Alex oh, and too. Jim and Georgie, I oh, recast. Okay. So, and they they're supposed to be like teenagers. Mm-hmm. So my Georgie is um, Joe Keery. He's from Stranger Things. Which which one in Stranger Things? <clears throat> He's Steve Harrington in Stranger Things. Oh, just... Steve Harrington! I like yeah. him. Yeah. He's pretty funny. And he's not like George is not. Um, George just tried to take over, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so my dim is also from Stranger Things. He's uh, Dustin. Ah, Dustin. Yeah. Gatton Matarazzo. Yeah. I thought he would be a good dim. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty proud of my Alex. Who is he? He is um, Joffrey. From Game of Thrones. Oh wow, that's a good Alex. Yeah, I thought so. Thank you. It really, really changes it there because you're just you instantly hate him. Yes, man, that is a good Joffrey. I Thank mean, a good you. Alex. Thank you. Wow. Huh? Yeah, maybe they already re- like redid this. It was just Game of Thrones, Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All right, my cast, I only cast two people. So I have Alex and I have the, um, you know what? The, uh, what's it called? The, the officer guy. Not the officer guy, but the, well, it's the P, the parole officer is the guy I recasted, but I just remembered that um, one of my good reheatables was the, the prison guard guy. Who was Mr. He was so he had that super thin British mustache and he was so on point. Yes. Like when he he would come in everywhere, he would do the whole military thing. Yeah. Yeah. That I did that did amuse me a lot, him. Yeah, he 
Thank God. I mean, you needed some. Yeah, he because he was so just over the top, and but he was just that guy. He was just all about that military life. Um, so Alex, I casted as Tyrion Edgerton. So I I made my Alex a bit more charming, I guess. Who is he? He was um, what's his face? He was out in John and Rocket Man. <gasps> oh, you made him likable. I did. Okay. <clears throat> and then for the PO officer guy, I thought it would be funny if it was Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, that would have been funny. So you're right. There you have it. Cause I, well done. By the time I got to this, I was like, uh, they're not making this movie again. I I'm know. not casting any black people in this. Are you no, kidding me? No, no, nor I. Yeah, I don't think they could do it again. I don't think, okay. No. They couldn't do that to anybody's <laughs> eyes. No actor would allow that to happen anymore. You know who it could, who would? I got two actors who would do such a thing, but I don't think they would do it. It would have to be a different kind of role. But they have the commitment that they would do that. Christian Bale and oh, what's his face? You know, my left foot guy. Daniel Day-Lewis. Christian Bale and Daniel Day-Lewis would do that. For, for the right role. Yeah, yeah. They would do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. <clears throat> okay, Tasty Nuggets. Mm -hmm. I've done some. The, um, the first cut of this movie was four hours. I know. Can you imagine? No. I wouldn't have gotten through it. Um, all of the... Un all of those two hours of unused footage uh he had destroyed oh interesting mm -hmm. gene kelly was disgusted <laughs> oh yeah um, had been. yeah yeah i i think he went to see it and he got up and left because he was so disgusted what they did with his song I know, man. In in Europe, there were two copycat crimes after this. <clears throat> there was a rape of a Dutch girl while someone was singing, singing in the rain. And a 16-year-old beat a younger child wearing the boots and the white jumpsuit and a bowler hat. So I think they pulled it from Europe for a while. Yeah, you couldn't see it in Europe for a long time. I think it wasn't until Kubrick died that somebody was like, hey, why don't we uh, see this movie? Mm. At the time of the filming, we said that um, Alex was supposed to be 17. He was actually 27 when this was filmed. Oh, Malcolm McDowell was 27? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought so. I thought he seemed kind of old. They all did. Uh, the final scene took 74 takes. Jeez Louise. Um, yeah, because a lot of women who were going to be the, 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 health food, the health farm lady, they knew that they couldn't do as many takes as it was going to be. But the originally it was uh, rated X, and then I, it was the one of only two films that were rated X that were nominated for Best Picture. Midnight Cowboy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Kubrick family got death threats. Oh wow! Yeah, it it's just it's just a whole lot. I feel like it was a lot more pornographic than it needed to be. A lot more 
But uh, it was disturbing, so maybe that was kind of... The, the point was for it to be disturbing. Yeah. It didn't have to be quite so disturbing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you saw it... You saw it in 1972. I did. So... And, and I kind of felt like... Remember when you were in film school and you, you guys showed your your final film projects? And, and your friend had, had one that was controversial... Yes. And I felt like his was controversial to be controversial. Yeah, it was just controversial to there was no there was no story to it. No, it was there wasn't. To, it was it was just to sit, to see who was going to sit through it and who was going to just be disgusted by it. Yeah. And I I felt like some of this was sexualized just to be sexualized. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I don't know. I think, yeah, probably. But it's just because Kubrick didn't make that many films. So it's just interesting to see what was it about this that he's like, yes, I'm yeah. so in on this and I'm going to, you know, go lots all of, Stanley on it. Lots of naked female bodies, whether in plastic or in organic real life. <clears throat> Okay, your tasty nuggets. My tasty nuggets. Oh, McDowell also cracked ribs in that humiliation scene. Oh, yeah. Um, I already said how there was a real physician dropping saline into his eyes. The author had mixed feelings about the adaptation. He felt that it was so brilliant it might be dangerous. And well, then in the it book... It was because somebody actually did a copycat. Yeah, so Kubrick adapted this movie from the U.S. version of the book, which the U.S. version of the book prior to 1986 omitted the final chapter of the novel. There's a chapter 21 in the novel because each chapter was supposed to, like, not represent a year, but he wanted, the author wanted there to be 21 chapters because 21 is the age when most people are like, oh, yeah, you're an adult. Oh. So in the final chapter that was omitted is that Alex sees the errors of his ways and he changes his life and the US publishers were like no the United States audience isn't going to buy it because in the movie spoiler alert now. he go he goes through the aversion therapy he goes back to his life he gets beat up and uh, he gets tortured by the Alexander family that he tortured. They keep playing the Beethoven music because they read about him and he's tortured. So he tries to kill himself, jumps out of a window, doesn't work. And then when he's in the hospital, everybody feels bad for him and they're against the government because look what the government did to this poor boy who happens to be a convicted rapist and murderer. And then he's listening to that. He listens to music and he has these fantasies. So then at the end, you see that he says that he, and the government hooks him up, is going to hook him up with a job and everything. Um, but then it, he can listen to music again and he's back to having his violent fantasies. Mm -hmm. But in the book, there's another chapter where he, then has this the what is it the will 
the free will and he sees the errors of his ways and he then then he vows to change his life and stuff mm -hmm. so they were like no the u.s audience wouldn't buy it and kubrick mm -hmm. was kubrick didn't know about that final chapter until he was already done with his adaptation and then he was just like that's an extra chapter and i don't buy it this is bullshit so that's why the movie ends where it ends and the Burgess guy, he only got $500 when he sold the rights to the adaptation. But when the movie came out, his book sales did oh, okay. increase. <clears throat> but still, like $500 for the adaptation? It's like, yeah. wow. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Picture. And that year, it lost to The French Connection. And we already mentioned how Pauline Kael called it pornographic, said dehumanized victims while highlighting his suffering. And they, she also pointed out the stripping in the Billy Boy gang scene. Um, the snake is not in the book. Mm, no, that was just a practical joke. Yes. Oh, Malcolm McDowell was married... In 1980, he was married and divorced Mary Steenburgen. I don't know. I just put that in as a tasty nugget. Well, that like, is interesting. What? In one year. Huh. Yeah, they were married. Mar it said in 1980, married and divorced. Oh. So, those were my uh, tasty nuggets. Robert Ebert was not a fan of the film either. It was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I don't know what else was nominated for Best Picture. Wow. But, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's Stanley Kubrick and stuff. And so, especially, like, 1972, you could, could see, like, oh, wow, it's kind of radical. And it's, this is saying yeah. something, man. Yeah. But then it's kind of, like, now it's kind of, but what's it saying? And it could mm -hmm. probably be saying something a little better. Oh, yeah. What? Well, yeah, because we could have some women in, in places of power and, okay. Yeah, so. and maybe you, maybe it's something where he, like, he was a delinquent. You can have him be, like, a delinquent and he's, like, and he's violent, but just the violence against women and stuff, it's like, geez. Yeah. You're, you're asking a lot for me because you, <coughs> you know, I watch these Datelines and stuff. It's basically like saying, hey, this guy, you know, raped and murdered this woman, and now, now they're going to send him to this aversion therapy, and then he's sitting on Dateline saying, I can't listen to Beethoven anymore. Right. Oh, boo-hoo. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Because, you know what, boys will be boys, and then they grow up, so and, it's okay. And, you know, it's interesting, though, is it also, I mean, they could have gotten into the whole prison thing and the the privatization of prisons and all of that thing, because there is something to be said for rehabilitation mm -hmm. so that there's less recidivism. What's that word? Recidivism. I don't people think go so. Back, when people go back to jail. Right. So there's a very interesting case to be made for that. And I mean, and how we have our prisons and how say someone like Scandinavia has their prisons and their recidivism rates. 
that kind of thing. It's it's it is very interesting. Can somebody be and, and maybe one one positive thing is that at least the gang of rapists weren't black. Yes, but his cronies they became cops. Mm-hmm. Dirty cops. I don't know if this movie um like makes a distinction. Because also though you are it's from Alex's point of view, so all That's cops true. would be That's dirty true. cops because it is his point of view. Yeah. So boohoo for me, no more beta. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, um my friends who listen, don't watch it. Save yourself <laughs> that two hours and sixteen minutes. I say do watch it to be uh literate of different movies and not all movies are you going to agree with, but it's you a, don't have it's to a agree movie everybody them. knows about, A Clockwork yeah. Orange. So then you can at least pipe in on a conversation. You can pipe in on a conversation. You know, I heard about it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so... But, from, if you're, from, but if you're talking about Clockwork Orange, you're probably talking to a guy. And since this is a podcast with two women, th- good luck with that. <laughs> well, that's true. This is, you know, that's all true. Uh, you know, in this day and age, if you're talking to a guy who is fond of a clockwork orange, run away. <laughs> get as far away as you can. Stay sexy. Don't get murdered. That's You got to put that on the list. They got to, if, like, uh, what's your yes. favorite film? A clockwork orange. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let me introduce you to my cousin who I hate. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Well, that's a clockwork orange and Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. Well, I got it out there. Mm -hmm. There you go. And next week. Oh man. My apologies, everyone. I apologize, Ma. You're not going to be happy with this choice. No, I thought we could go really light next week. Well, we're Uh-oh. going really long next week. Oh my god. We're okay. going really long. This is a movie I've never seen, but I was like, well, I'll be damned. If this isn't the perfect time to see this movie, I don't know when is. But it's long. It's an epic as they say. Okay. But I feel like because there's a big anniversary this month, a big five zero anniversary. I'm about to. On the moon. I'm about to watch me a documentary on Apollo Eleven. Called Apollo Eleven is the name of the documentary. We're doing a doc. No, I'm setting it up. You, know, okay. you don't have any guesses of what this film is. Uh, the right stuff. Bingo. Aaron's brother fell asleep on this. We we went to the beach. No, and Ma. We got... It was Apollo 13 he fell asleep on. Oh, this is the right stuff. We're doing 1983's The Right Stuff. Oh, okay. He wasn't even born yet. Yeah, I've never seen this film. But it's popped it's up everywhere all summer. Yeah, It was referenced good. in Captain Marvel. It was referenced in something else. I'm just like, geez. I, you know what? I got to watch The Right Stuff. And it's July 2019, 
50 years ago? 50 years ago. I know exactly where I was. We gotta pay our respects. Yeah, we do. I like it. It's quite a leap from a clockwork orange, so I like it. No, oh, okay. It's long, though. It's three plus hours. I don't... Okay. I. So, you know, well, I guess we can recast it because... We can recast it with today's actors. There's a lot of today's actors in it. Okay. Ed Harris? Yeah, I like Ed Harris. Okay. Yeah. I'll do it. All right. I I agree. I will do it. (laughs) I'm glad you agree. I was like, man, that's long. But you know what? It was a long journey. They put in a lot of work. So. Yeah. Okay, and hopefully next week our cops will be gone. Oh, man, I can't even. (laughs) Well, listeners, there you go. There you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.